Hello and welcome to the Trucking Driver Podcast. I'm Dougie Rankin and I'm joined today by... Paul O'Callaghan. Coming to you live from Italy. Yeah, I'm just at the foot of the Mont Blanc. So the Mont Blanc tunnel here, you've probably on about it before a few times in the some of the trip reports. So I've been away now for over just over a month. Left Ireland over a month ago on, on the motorbike. And... I'm kind of on on the home leg now. We've we've a lot of countries travelled through and a lot of miles uh, clocked up. So it, it it kind of feels like I'm almost home now at this stage. And I still have I don't know I, the guts of another maybe thousand odd kilometres to do. But I've done done to date now. I've done uh, I've done of course my bike is reading in miles. So I've done I'm just touching six thousand miles. So it's that's it's just quite under a lot. ten thousand kilometres. Yeah, just under. So. It, it's a lot. It's a lot, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. To listeners who don't know, I mean, you've worked, you've worked your ass off sort of over the sort of past year, right through the winter, driving all sorts of trucks and everything. And then, like you said, just over a month ago, you've gotten the bike and taken off on an absolutely epic road trip adventure. You know, who was it? It was you and McGregor and uh, Charlie, what's his face, were doing like the long way down sort of road trip adventures, weren't they? And this is like well up there with the best of them, this adventure. So, Dear Trucking Driver podcast listeners, I think you're going to enjoy this one because, as we all know, the world's kind of going to shit right now. There's a lot of problems with fuel and Tesco being dicks and all this kind of stuff with waiting rooms and everything. I think this will be a bit of light relief for you. This will be quite enjoyable because we're going to hear all about what Paul's been up to over the last month or so, where he's basically visited every single country that enters the Univision Song Contest. <laughs> this, is really, this is something else. We've got motorbikes, cars, trucks... Great weather, bad weather, you know, yeah. all sorts of stuff. But I just start start for the start, you know, because how did this how did this come about? Was this something that you were brewing up for a while this trip? Because it's turned into something a lot bigger than mm. you thought it was originally, isn't it? By the way, I just want to make it clear that uh, that's thing about the Eurovision Song Contest. You just made that up on the spot, so I didn't yes, actually I did. go. <laughs> I didn't actually go to see them, but no, it was it was quite a good uh, analogy. And I'd also like to say that what you know what I've what I've done is not nothing really in comparison to you know there's people traveling around the world on motorbikes and there's um, there's people doing stuff that's way 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 out there comparatively speaking. But anyway, just to give you a bit of bit of background on it, uh, kind of uh, had been thinking that I wanted to do um, do a, a big trip for a while and no more than anybody else kind of couldn't do it over the last few years with um, all the. Covid stuff that was happening, so as usual, of course, didn't really organise it um, very well or organise it at, at all. The the day before I left, uh, I didn't get finished till eleven o'clock that night. I got dragged into uh, it was, an, it was another story, but basically, I had to collect a container from from the docks in Dublin with with the Mercedes Benz with the Eurocab and, and unload that. So instead of being home and fine tuning and honing all the little things that you're supposed to bring and not supposed to bring and the important stuff, uh, didn't do any of that. So anyway, we headed off. Um, Headed off on the out Dublin Hollyhead on a was it a Tuesday morning, and the first the first stop was actually I, I had a quite nice ride down through Wales roads. It kind of hadn't really been on before. Normally, you know, you go across Wales and you're across the top A55. I went down through the down the A5. Um, is it Betsy Code and Langolan and places like that. Anyway, my destination was Stone the Wold, where I went down to see Darren Griffin, who was coming up, I think, in the next issue of the magazine. That's right. We're recording this on Thursday, June the 9th, and that magazine hits the shelves tomorrow. Darren Griffin and his trio of 
classic Scania's our editor's choice, which um, we'd been had in stock for a little while, and it was good that you were able to go and visit Darren in person and find out all about those, uh, because you know it's some uh, very special trucks and a, a special guy as well. He's um, uh, achieved a lot, has done. For sure, yeah. So anyway, I went down and um, as the photographs had already been done previous to that, it was quite easy. I just went down and met Darren and, and we had a bit of a chat and got to see some see his trucks, which are quite impressive. And from there, it was actually quite nice down in that. I've often heard about the Cotswolds, but it was this time it was kind of the first time where you could really feel that you were driving into the the Cotswolds and this um, you know some really nice villages down there, Stowe on the Wold and. Burton on the water, places like that that I'd, um, I'd been before but I'd kind of forgotten about. So from there I came up then to, um, it was kind of, Darren was kind of the furthest south guy I had to meet and then there was three other guys up sort of in the Yorkshire direction which were all together. So I stayed that first night, I have relations in uh, up in Kenilworth there, Leamington Spa and the next day I went up to see Rob Hymas. So Rob, oh, was, yeah. Up, yeah, Rob was up near Harrogate with that um, F12, 93 F12 he has restored, so I just Rob had taken kind of the day off work, so I was we had a set time, and of course, as it happens, the heavens opened uh, the morning I was leaving, oh. leaving the Kenilworth. Anyway, that was okay. I just got the wet gear on, and we just just plowed up along. There was times there it was just raining so heavy, it's quite hard to see. You know, on the bike you don't have just the spray coming up off the road, and the fact that you don't have a wiper. So, uh, but anyway, I just I was actually in the third lane at one stage. I, you know, it was actually safer to stay there than try and pull in and try and try and get a bit of shelter under a motorway bridge because uh, the visibility was so bad. But anyway, um, yeah, got to meet um, got to meet Robert Hymas and uh, see the F12 that he has done. Luckily, we were really lucky. Got some nice weather up there. Got some lovely photographs. So I'll have that one for you as well. After that, then I went down to see Martin Newis, who I'd first heard about or seen when I went to the Gaiden last year. Martin has two lovely version one Volvos, a 6x4 and a 6x2. Uh, yes, heavy, heavy. Oh, they're coming up in our August issue as well. We've got loads of really good trucks and stuff coming your way, people. Um, I'm really quite excited about the, the variety and scope of what we've got. So that was another one which um, they'd emailed us about the trucks, a couple of old-school F12s. Uh, involved in heavy haulage and it was good that you got to go in and see them in person as well keep you you busy when you were over here 100% hop before you hopped over onto the continent exactly so but um, I still had a couple of things I had to go down to I had to go down to Wigan then because I needed a touring screen for my bike which of course I hadn't organised so I said I'd get that on in England uh, while I'm there but it it meant quite a bit I was doing a bit of cross hopping you know so I went up to Leeds then I went down to Wigan and Got the screen in the bike, and the next uh, destination then was uh, Yorkshire Dales. I think Yorkshire Dales is one of the nicest places I've been of anywhere in the world. Really, really love it up that end of the world. And also, of course, there was trucks involved. Naturally, it was uh, long turns of Hebden. So it's quite good, you know, when you when you kind of get to know a few people in, into classic trucks, and especially up, up around that part of the country. A lot of people know each other, so I was after getting, I uh, got Darren Longthorns. Uh, phone number from one of the other lads, either Martin or maybe Rob Hymas, and just send him a message. Uh, yeah, sure, call anytime you want. So uh, had a had a fantastic spent almost two days in um, in Hebden, beautiful part of the world, amazing scenery and some really really nice trucks. So it was uh, you know Darren, Jonathan, and uh, Darren Longthorn there, the two lads. Um, they've got you know those three livestock trailers now, or two livestock trailers more so. And still run that, still have that old T cab. I don't know if you know that T 
580. It's a, with a Highline cabinet, so we had those out and we're up in the Yorkshire Dales plowing around. Nice bit of weather as well. So, and I just want to say as well, but uh, thanks to Luke Longthorn who put me up for the night. So I had, um, I had, I brought my tent with me, so I was going to pitch the tent in uh, in the field there. And no, Luke had a, a converted shepherd's hut, no less, in the back garden, which was lovely, perfectly uh, suitable for my needs. So I spent the night there, had a few pints in the in the pub, and headed off the next day. The destination and the next day was Hull to catch the P&O ferry to Rotterdam. So I'd done quite a fair bit of mileage before I even left uh, England, but I could see that the weather was going to turn as well. So the time was right just to leave. And I just popped into uh, Ben Wincup for for a bit of a chat as well before I left. So onto the ferry and off we got off in Rotterdam. That was on a Sunday morning. And uh, next stop then was Tom Holdings down in Boxtel. So I just called in to see Tom. See what he had, anything nice. Of course, Tom always has nice trucks, always the best always the best of the old trucks. So he took out a few and we had a little interview and might do a little feature on Tom for the next uh, one of the issues coming up. Uh, it was kind of getting quite hot hot at that stage. So I just kind of plowed down through um, Holland and, and just sort of plowed through Germany, stuck to the autobahn. Just to, it's nice to, when you're on the motorbike to get away from the, the autobahns and, and the motorways. But there's countries like Germany where you kind of have to use them just to make a bit of progress. And I often wondered how Germany functioned before the autobahns, because it's not like certain countries you go to, and there are plenty of national roads that you can run, and you don't lose a huge amount of time. But Germany, it's um, it's really impressive. So I camped uh, camped in Germany, camped uh, two nights in Germany, just found some, it's really well set up for camping, and I have, a little, have, you know, have my tent and everything else I need, little, completely self-sufficient little camping stove that I bought in England. So that kind of brought me in then... Um, Brought me in to Hungary, just through Hungary, and into uh, sorry through Austria into hung into Hungary, and decided it was probably time I got a little bit of maintenance done on the bike, which I didn't do before I left because I wasn't organised. But uh, that was all right. It gave me gave me a couple of days just to catch up on a bit of stuff on on the laptop. So uh, I spent a couple of nights in gear in Hungary, and in in one way I kind of wanted to see how possible it was to get parts for a '99 Honda Blackbird. And it just goes to prove that, yeah, you know, Honda that's what I was going to ask there as well. Yeah, I was just going to say, do you want to explain to the listeners what kind of bike that it is you've got? Because we've got bike fans uh, who drive the trucks as well. Um, I don't know a lot about bikes, you know, that's my, a car sort of thing. So it's a 99 Black Bob. Is this like a touring sort of bike or is it a bit kind of in between? In between yeah. kind of, is it a bit more yeah. racy? What's, uh... Good. No, you're, you're, you're fairly close to the mark there. I think the exact title at the time would have been the call so there was sports tours and then you had these hyper tours so a hyper tour was i suppose the name is uh, is in the definition it's like there was the so the honda blackbird when it came out in 1997 its claim to fame was the fact that it was the fastest production bike in the world at the time claimed to do 200 miles per hour then you had the Hay- suzuki hayabusa which came along the hayabusa is derived from a japanese uh, bird which preys on the honda blackbird so it was little bit of competition going on at the time and i suppose the last of those style of bikes was the kawasaki zzr 1400 so these are basically really really you know high performance bikes with lots of you know lots of torque lots of cc's that you can also tour on obviously things have moved on a lot since then like my bike now is you know it's it's 20 23 years old now but this kind of have a bit of a cult following and, and i'm fairly attached to it uh, and i, I kind of had no i had no reservations about uh, about bringing it out 
bring it out on, on a long trip like that. And so the, the maintenance that I needed to get done in uh, in Hungary was, the first thing was uh, new chain and sprockets. I knew the chain was kind of on the way out. So I just said I'd get it done there. Got new wheel bearings in the back, new brake pads in the front, new front tire on it, a couple of other little bits and pieces. And, and that's it. Like that was, that was all just kind of general maintenance. But apart from that, like I've done... I've done six thousand miles and nothing has, uh, you know, nothing has failed. And it's just, it's a really, it's a testament, I suppose, to the engineering of of, of bikes. Um, but I suppose the, the thing to add as well is that, um, you know, from, from the moment I got onto that ferry in in, uh, in Hull, or even before that, like I met people, you know, a lot of people touring in up around the Yorkshire Dales, and everybody now was on adventure bikes, primarily BMW GS twelve hundreds and twelve fifties, which uh, I suppose I want and I would be a far more comfortable bike. To be touring on, but you know, it's. I, I someone asked me the other day. I said, "What what it, what I'm touring on would be like the equivalent of doing doing you know driving a Scania one four three nowadays." You know, <laughs> it's like you think oh, you, yeah. you think you think a one four three is brilliant, uh, and you know they are until you actually you know then you drive a Scania S and you're getting oh fuck if I'm going back driving something like that again. You know, but anyway, um, at the, you know I, I still have a big attachment to the bike, and you know. We've, I went to went to Nordcap on it before when I bought it first, ten or eleven years ago. So uh, it's uh, you know we have we have a good bond at this stage, and and it hasn't let me down. So I suppose that's that's really uh, all there is to say with the bike. You know, has a, have all the luggage on it and and uh, things like that. But you don't have any of the creature comforts like you know cruise control and, and of course the riding position. You're not sitting upright either. But until such time as as uh, my body isn't able to take it anymore, I think I'll, I'll kind of just stick with that position for, for a while longer. Uh, so bikes, bikes of the like, is it kind of like cars, like cruise controls just kind of come on sort of laterally as more of a standard fit sort of thing on bikes? Is it like, are bikes like more flat? Do you get like fly-by-wire throttles and things now as well, rather than having like cable attachments on it and that? Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there is all that kind of stuff on, on the new ones, fly-by-wire throttles, and there's slipper clutches, and there's cruising. And then there's a lot of these power modes, and, you know, there's probably a lot of stuff that, in one way, you might be slightly better off without, you know, what I have there. It, it doesn't have the creature comforts, but it's fairly basic, easy easy to fix and easy to maintain. And what really brought it home to me, I was in, um, I was in, I just say well i ended up in greece anyway we'll get there in a minute but i was talking to a guy who's done a lot of big trips like he did a trip from the top of canada down to the bottom of argentina and did all the you know the big trip big trips mongolia and wow. all that. he was a french french canadian oh, guy and imagine yeah, oh it's so good yeah that's what i'm saying like what i what i was doing what i'm doing was nothing like um and he said that he had a bmw you know modern bmw gs and he swapped it and he's now riding 1994 Honda Africa Twin with like massive mileage on the clock but he said the reason he likes that bike is that uh, it's easy to fix he can fix it anywhere and he doesn't really need you know these big bikes with, with, with loads of power and all this electronic gadgetry and more stuff to go wrong and laptops and so you know there's it depends really what you want to do but there's there's a lot to be said for uh, for the older stuff as well as the newer stuff so I suppose really the 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 main country I wanted to visit was Romania. You want to talk a little mm. bit about Roma- Romania and what you know what now, you know, why, you know so about it. So why is that then? 
Romania in particular. I mean, basically anybody listening, you think of Romania, you think of rough looking trucks if you're thinking about transporting that, you know. You're thinking about an Iveco Stralis on five axles with bits hanging off it. Maybe I'm, I'm being, that's just being a real stereotype sort of, sort of thing there. That's not really fair. That's a, a gross generalisation. But, you know, that's kind of, that's what Romania is, sort of is to the transport industry. That's what Poland was like sort of 15 years ago. And they've come on a long way now. They've got much more modern kept and equipment. And I think Romania is on the same sort of path. They're just gradually sort of improving things and, and getting there. But the country, you know, it was an, it's an ex-communist country behind the, the Iron Curtain and things. It's not somewhere... What, 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 so what's it like in terms of like hospitality and food and roads? What made you decide to go there? The main reason that I went there was to, to go and ride. To go and ride. There's a couple of uh, roads that I wanted to go and do. Um, so there's two very, very famous routes. There's the Transalpina Highway and the Transfagarisham. I think I'm fairly close to pronouncing that correctly. It mightn't be 100%. But, of course, the claim to fame of the Transfagarishan was that Jeremy Clarkson said on Top Gear that it was supposed to be, or he said it was the best driving road in the world. So these were these were roads that were built, kind of, they built them through the mountains. So the thing, I suppose, that really surprised me about Romania was uh, how mountain it is, mountainous it is. There's just mountains everywhere. There's, like, a spine of mountains that run down kind of through the, through the country in, like, a in a C shape. So you have the, the trans, you know, Transylvania, you have the Aquisenes, there's all these different mountain ranges and it, the country is just full of roads. It's like a kind of hidden gem, I suppose, uh, in terms of uh, bikers and and desirable roads to ride because they have these fantastic roads, very little traffic on them. And that was, that was basically it. So it was, um, it was a real eye opener for me. And, and I suppose, look, you know, more than yourself, everyone has, different opinions and and ideas and probably stereotypes as uh, what Romania is like but oh, um, yes. as far as I can see you know, I, yeah uh, none, none of that um, no, so it sounds fascinating so you're, you're, you're selling it to me by these roads and things so did you like drive the sort of length of the country through this kind of mountainous spine that runs up the middle of the country what were the towns and villages did you visit how long did you spend there so I, w- I was there for a week I think I was there for about six nights and I was on the bike every day I was there so um, I actually had a little bit of a story. When when I tried to enter the country first, I came in, I was going in through a, s- a small border and uh, they actually wouldn't let me cross because I didn't bring the original tax book of the bike, which I kind of thought I w- you, you do need it to leave EU countries, but I thought I was, st- was going to stay within the EU and I wouldn't need it. So Romania is in the EU, but still I was asked for the document. This is at like uh, probably about half eight or nine, nine, nine o'clock at night and I had accommodation booked. I, you know, I booked it on booking.com literally like five minutes before that I pulled in the side of the road and that was just across the border. So now like I've, I'm thinking, all right, well, you know, I'm going to be out of accommodation for uh, out of pocket for the accommodation and I won't be let in. And um, and it's quite a long way around kind of to go in anywhere else from any other country. So uh, I tried another border. So it was like, case of you know 100 mile an hour job started sun, sun going down you know um <laughs> down along these kind of uh you know derelict sort of border roads but anyway i went to the other border bigger border and um gave a bit of a sob story and he let me in in fairness to him he said um he said technically i shouldn't he said but maybe someday i'll be in ireland and i and i'll need to meet uh, a nice policeman so i'll go on him he, he let me in but the first thing, the first, <laughs> first good guy no exactly so it was kind of a nice introduction to to Romania for me, it just gave me a nice kind of a vibe from the start, and um, 
And the first thing I did the next the following day then was I organized to have a DHL to have the document DHL out to a hotel that I picked. We'll say down on the uh, down on the Serbian border that I reckon it was going to be in a couple of days' time. So for f- I think it was only like forty five euros. DHL oh. can have a document so the, for well, you anywhere. So did, yeah, yeah. But the next day. That's good. So where did you enter Romania from? Hungary, did you say? Yeah. So it was a it was the, a border call. I think they call it Bors. It was a B O R S. That was that was the border I entered into. Right. So. Did you, when you were at driving, did you know where you were going to be staying that night? Were you like getting hotels every night, just kind of where you got as far as you could go? Or were you like camping? How were you planning things out in terms of sleeping and stuff? Yeah, so uh, so I brought the tent with me. So I just, I had, at that stage, I'd camped in, I'd camped twice coming to Germany. I'd camped, uh, they were, that was in campsites. And then I camped in a little small, cheap little campsite in, in Hungary as well, down by the, just down by the, one of the tributaries of the Danube. It was a lovely little spot. And then in Romania, I think I stayed in. So basically what I do is I'd, I'd wait until the evening time and see where I ended up. Because you never know where the, the road is going to take you or what's going to happen from day to day. And just have a quick look on Booking.com and see what you can find. Now, sometimes you can find something a bit cheaper if you're not on Booking.com. But it is kind of handy to be able to look and you can look at reviews and see where it is and have a look at the photographs. So that was mostly that's what I was doing with Booking.com. Having said that, I the second night I was in Romania, I ended up uh, up in up in the Apuseni Mountains and it was a case of it was a really really nice area, uh, really alpine. Like you you wouldn't think you were in Romania at all. And I was kind of following. I went from kind of one small road, then I would see another small road, and I said, I wonder where that's going to take me. And then I go up there, and there's another small road, and I eventually ended up on top of a top of a mountain, and uh, just stopped at what looked like a shop, and asked someone where I could pitch my tent, and uh, got chatting to a couple of guys that were working as um, they were actually using the horses to extract timber from from the sides of the hills, and they said, you know, I could I could camp down down here down near where they were, so that was you know I was kind of well off well off grid at that stage, you know, no phone coverage. Just camping up out in the wilds of Romania with a str- with a stream there, and the lads fed me and everything, so it was nice. Drank a little bit of palenka with them, so it was kind of nice. It was sort of the thing the thing I was after, really. But apart from that, uh, you see, accommodation in Romania is, is pretty good value. So, and and they don't have campsites, so it, it was kind of just made sense to to book into uh, hotels and we'll say little B and Bs and stuff like that. So generally, it was paying like anywhere from maybe between 25 euros up to about 35 euros that kind of money Dougie so it's kind of not too bad especially you know as the further south I went then the um, the weather gosh kind of was getting a little bit hotter but Romania was actually quite nice the, the Transalpina road was technically that because they're closed every year because of the because of the snow so because they go right over the top of the mountains there were basically there were military routes that were built just so that they'd have the other roads would say follow rivers down through valleys and they reckon they'd be too open to uh, open to attack so these were built basically over the top of the mountains hairpin bends you name it so obviously they get a lot of snow up there so the Transalpina was officially closed but I managed to to get through went through the roadblock and did it all and the other one then the big one then the transfer Garishan uh, got most of the way up there met a couple of uh, Austrian bikers and we went up as far as we could and physically then you couldn't go any further the snow was blocking the road there was quite big snow drifts actually up there and um, there was a snow blower like working up ahead of us clearing the road so I presume maybe a week after I went there it would have been would have been open but still it was kind of it, it was pretty cool to see it you know and uh, just in terms of trucks then in in Romania the thing that surprised me was uh, go ahead I was going to say what's it like the price of fuel <laughs> Over in Romania, is it de- expensive huh. there as well? I take it. Well, 
Well, to be honest with you, you know what? I, I, I've, I've, I've opened the key of that fuel tank so many times now over the past few weeks. Uh, I still don't actually know what my bike does to the gallon, and I don't want to know. And the price of fuel, uh, look, I, the only place I remember being, it was expensive. It was expensive in, I remember in filling, I remember actually filling the bike in, uh, in Holland. And it was like you know, 50 euros now. So, you know, it's it's like 230 a litre or something like that, euros. Uh, and in Germany, it was the same. I was thinking, fuck, this is going to be, this is going to be expensive. But uh, it was a little bit cheaper in Romania, not much. The problem is, um, you know, I was going to all these countries that they, you're, you're dealing in different currency. So you, you don't really know what the price of it is unless you actually go and work it out. But uh, it, was, it, was a, it was a little bit cheaper, but... But not a huge amount. So I think there was places I was paying like one sixty, one seventy for for a liter of petrol. But basically, the, my, the attitude it took was I just you know whenever it needs fuel, I'm just going to put it into it and uh, not not worry about it. You know, so so that's that's what I did. There was days when I didn't really have any set amount of kilometers to do. Like yesterday was was a bit mad. I did like six over six hundred kilometers yesterday. I came over from Trieste, which wasn't planned at all. But that was just. You know, there was days I only did 200 kilometers if, if there was somewhere nice and if I was in the mountains and I was stopping taking photographs and that. But generally, I suppose, you know, about uh, maybe in around 300 kilometers, something like that, three, four, depending, depending on where you were. But I was going to say about Romania, uh, an awful lot of timber trucks there. I was surprised how many timber trucks there was there. It was quite cool seeing, uh, seeing some of the kind of higher specs stuff that had been imported from the likes of Sweden and Norway places like that and it was all it was pretty arduous like big mountains lot, lots of bends so all the timber trucks I saw there had uh, turntables on them I didn't see any of the what we call the wheel, wheelbarrow type trailers coming on behind um, it was all it was all uh, proper stuff but the, the other thing that struck me about Romania as well was that the amount of trucks in the country even just driving along the road like there was lots of houses you know a few trucks parked outside uh, you know behind them or an awful lot a lot, a lot of trucks parked up but I presume if there's trucks parked up there's trucks working so uh, you know I suppose since really since they joined the EU as you said yourself earlier you know there's there's a uh, there's an awful lot more Romanian trucks now, but I think look, the the standard of the fleet is getting a lot better. Um, the other thing, I, the other the other thing I noticed as well was um, I, I was more or less on kind of uh, smaller kind of narrow roads. That, that that's what I was looking for, you know, kind of off 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 the beaten tracks or the roads. But there was a couple of times I did cross over onto the main main arteries and a uh, lot of noticed a lot of Hungarian trucks or sorry, not Hungarian Turkish trucks. Which were transiting through Romania, so it's quite quite funny actually. There's there's actual they have their own kind of truck stops. You'll see like TIR Turk Park or Turkey Park, so they have their own ones uh, dedicated just to Turks. Don't know why. Maybe that's just how how things go, you know. And, and I noticed the same the same in Serbia as well because I think we we spoke about this before. You'd notice there's an awful lot more Turkish trucks now on the roads than than we noticed before doing international haulage, but. Um, no, that was Romania. Uh, yeah, food. Yeah, food was food was good as well. Um, people people were nice uh, in terms of cars. I, I noticed that, you know an awful lot of uh, an awful lot of Audis there, big Audis and you know big black BMW M5s. But you still have you know, horses and carts kind of on the you know running along the side of the road as well. So, um, but I didn't see any. I didn't see any out now. Probably now. Maybe if you went down near the near the closer to the Bulgarian border, 
things changed a little bit. That was probably the only corner I didn't go to. I didn't go there because there was no mountains and there was nothing really there for me to see. But basically, I started off in the middle of uh, Romania around uh, Cluj-Napoca and the Apocenis and then I went right up north. I was actually quite not too far away from the Ukrainian border and then I kind of came all the way down um, one side and through the, through the middle as well in kind of in a, like a backward sea. That was Romania, yeah, definitely well, well worth visiting anyway. interesting stuff it's quite uh, it's peaked, it's really uh, piqued my curiosity that I would love to go and do a road trip in one of the old Cavaliers and kind of hit somewhere further across and the way that things are at the moment with the the price of fuel going up and everything like that I'm trying, sort of thinking I'd probably have to go and do it sooner rather than later if this doesn't ever go in the opposite direction but another thing I'm curious about Romania as well what, how have you been eating and things like that have you been trying sort of local cuisine and things like that and what's the, what's the food and drink like over the over there uh, in other various sort of countries you've been? Have you found anything you've particularly liked? Um, have you been to a McDonald's in every country? That sort of thing. I'm trying to, do you know what? It's actually, I'm, I was I'm sort of racking my brains out to try and think what, uh, what I ate in Romania because um, it seems like it's such, so many countries ago since since I was there now that, uh, no, it was, I'm trying to think now actually, um, what I was, I know it was pretty similar to, Fairly similar to to uh, to what we have here. Like I, I ate at a truck stop a couple of times, you know, to see. And of course, you get this usual standard fare omelets and and stuff like that. You know, chicken, rice, all. Yeah, it was, it was not nothing that I can read. And of course, you know, plenty of beer. I tried all the local beers that anywhere I was. But just to, I suppose the thing to add as well, like it was, there was. I just I was dealing with so in in Romania the the currency is the is the Romanian lei and or lu, however you pronounce it, under so it's like five of them. To the euro so i ended up with like so many different because i was in slovakia as well um and i was in hungary and i ended up with just uh so many different you know i had the, the foreign that's the that's the currency in uh in hungary and i don't know that was like something i think it was might have been like and just, just trying to remember what it was like it was almost 400 400 of them to one euro and i'm trying to think i had somewhere else uh where else I had, I had to get the currency out in Slovakia as well, but anyway, yeah, there was that. That is that. That is the big thing, kind of, to remember that you're going to end up with a lot of different currencies. Some places that you can pay with the card, and some places you can't. But uh, it was kind of handy to have handy to have a bit of both. You know, there's times when when you do need to have currency, so I was just using holding the walls to take out the money. So I have a big, I have a pile of stuff now that I need to change. Probably won't even get a change anywhere of currency from Lech from Albania as well. So. Uh, no, that was kind of, that was really it um, for Romania. So you went down after Romania, you were headed on down, because you, you, where did you head after that? You went down to Greece for quite a while. Yeah, so from, uh, like I said, you know, Romania, I did all the, as much as I could in terms of uh, doing all the all the mountains there. And the next country I entered then, it was uh, Serbia. So I stayed at a hotel on, just on the, on the Danube there, a hotel I picked that would be easy just to get the document delivered to. So I picked that picked that up there, and uh, next morning when I went to enter Serbia before I even left Romania, there were the customs were asking me, "Oh, a document of the bike, document of the bike." So I was quite glad I got it. And then I went into Serbia, so another country that um, I had never been before. Uh, of course, uh, another currency again. Uh, you know, you, you kind of knew you were you were in you were somewhere different. Whereas in um, Romania, it was either fancy Audis and BMWs are 
dacias, which I presume are made, there are loads of dacias in, in Romania, um, didn't see any of those mm. in Serbia. Yeah, they are. It's quite cool. I've seen a lot of older Mark II golfs and even Mark I golfs, older Passats and a lot of big Mercs, stuff like that imported from, uh, you know, ex-German taxis and, you know, old Merc 190s and, you know, whatever, 300s, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it was quite cool seeing all that kind of stuff as well in Serbia. When's your, when's your next break? What's your plans now? Because you're in Italy at the moment and you're kind of working your way back across to Ireland. Are you going to do it and sort of, you're going to have a good hit at this? Are you going to kind of stop off on the way and things on your way back? No, the plan now is just kind of to get home. I have, I have enough done at this stage. And, you know, I was thinking there a couple of days ago, it's um, normally my trips would be, even if I go on a, you know, what's called a holiday or vacation somewhere, it would be three weeks. And I just found after after a month, especially being on the bike, almost every day, there's only two days I wasn't on the bike, that's uh, kind of just getting a bit angsty to get back behind the wheel and do a bit of driving again. If someone said to me now, you know, you could leave here in the morning, put your bike in the back of a truck and just drive up to Cherbourg, I'd be quite happy with that. So uh, the problem is now, you know, from between here and Cherbourg now, it's all it's all roads that I've been on before, unless I kind of sit down and study and try and make a plan to take, take national roads, which is a bit more possible in France to do it but uh, no at this stage I think um, I'm kind of looking forward to getting back and just getting into you know doing a bit of work again a bit of driving and I suppose you know reliving I have a lot of a lot of photographs taken and uh, visited visited actually a haulier in Greece as well I just wrote an article about today uh, one, one of the hauliers I hold in very high esteem so I was quite happy with that as well I tried to get someone in, in Austria it didn't quite work out but uh, anyway we'll, we'll still have Plenty for for future, but no, the idea would be now just to just to get home. Oh, and, fantastic! Um, what, what what an adventure! <laughs> uh, this is turned out. To, this is turned out to be. I look forward to hearing about the rest of it and uh, reading about some of it in Trucking Driver because uh, we've got a team Trucking Driver update in the new issue for you with your mad wood chipper tractor thing, and we've also got some stuff coming up in the next issue as well. So, yeah, thanks very much for logging in with us, Paul, and I'll let you get back to your Italian adventures. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day, and I shall uh, be back in touch soon, and we'll get the rest of this uh, story off you, but the internet signal's better. <laughs> no problem at all, Dougie. It was a pleasure anyway, and shall we catch up the next time for, for a bit more of it? Excellent. Cool. Yeah, well, thanks very much, Paul. Cheers. Not a Take problem. Care. No, pleasure. Thanks very much. See you, Dougie. Take care. All the best. Cheers. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the Truck and Driver podcast. Please subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To keep up to date with the latest news, 100% for drivers, visit truckanddriver.co.uk, where you can also subscribe to the print edition of Truck and Driver magazine, which publishes on the last Friday of every month. The Truck and Driver podcast is produced by Sound Rebel. To find out more, please visit soundrebel.co.uk.